Welcome to Henry's Cabin. We are under the lodge in Great Wave Studios, somewhere in the Outer Rim, or the Blue Ridge Mountains. Uh, I am Henry Cohen, so you're in the right place. Uh, And if you are audio only, I am sitting in front of a grand stone fireplace in a high-backed leather chair with the first edition of Jack London's Call of the Wild, a book that I read every January for some reason that I don't remember. Uh, It became a a yearly tradition, I don't know how long ago, but now I I feel compelled to do it, and I still very much enjoy it. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, they did make a a Disney movie of it recently, which, great movie, doesn't do the book justice. Uh, and, And it wasn't necessarily, it gets thought of as a children's book or a middle grade book at times, but it was not presented that way, uh, though well-received among that age group, which is, of course, of interest to me. But uh, it's very well-written at a high level, and there's a few lines in here that, that I want to read to set things up a little bit. Not, I'm not doing a whole audiobook, just a few sentences. Uh, but this is from the perspective of Buck, who is you know, a large dog, uh, half, I forget what he is, but it's a great book. If you like books from animal perspectives, uh, Bridey of the Grand Canyon is another great one, makes another great bedtime story. Uh, but so, you know, what we're talking about, this is Buck. He went from the Southland to Alaska during the gold rush, and he's trying to figure out how to be a sled dog. Now to set it up a little bit, Huskies can survive on much less food. Uh, than, than larger breeds. His development, or retrogression, was rapid. His muscles became hard as iron, and he grew callous to all ordinary pain. He achieved an internal as well as external economy. He could eat anything, no matter how loathsome or indigestible, and, once eaten, the juices of his stomach extracted the last least particle of nutrient, and his blood carried it to the farthest reaches of his body, building it into the toughest and stoutest of tissues. And that's how I feel right now, having eaten the last of the Christmas cookies and returning to normal food. But I'm adjusting. We're going to make it through this. Things are going to be okay. Uh, But that's not what I'm talking about. This evening, I am talking about bedtime stories, uh, having just wrapped them up. And not so much a list of what bedtime stories to read, but I want to take you through my journey of how I develop my own philosophy of of what that is and how it's helpful to a family uh, and the relationship. And it is a temporary time. I don't know if everybody thinks this all the way through, but having experienced it, uh, teenagers generally don't want you crawling in their bed reading bedtime stories. So every night uh, that that is blown off or disregarded, is one you don't get back. It's a very special time of connection. Uh, It's also very needed. Uh, Because if you think about it, everyone's fatigued. And and we tend to think of ourselves as being fatigued. And this is not me preaching. I had a guitar teacher one time that explained to me, you could figure this stuff out eventually. However, I can show you my shortcuts and save you a lot of time and pain and wasted energy. Go here, just do this. And that's what I'm trying to do is just share some experience and some things I've figured out along the way, uh, dealing with different personalities and different ages through the years. And these are my, these are my, these are the decisions I've come to 
the realities I've discovered, and some of the joys of doing this. Uh, if you've read the blog at all, you know that I started reading to my wife's belly when she was pregnant with our first child. Uh, I was already in the middle of a book when she let me know that uh, the child in utero can make a connection to voices on the outside. I'm not sure how they sort that out scientifically, but it sounded good. I was already reading, so I started reading to her belly and uh, kept that tradition up since um, until that, that, that baby grew up into a teen. It was like, Dad, I, I got this. You know, you can, I can read. You know, um, and I moved on and realized how finite and special that time is. But it was a cap to our evening where we ended the day with closeness and connection. Even if it got rough at times, we would always end with that. And, and you may hear people ask old couples, what's the secret of your marriage? And one of the staple responses is uh, never go to bed angry with one another. You know, so... In a marriage, people tend to think, well, of course, you don't do that. you got to talk it out. And, and picture lying awake if your spouse is really mad at you or thinking about that over and over and over. Yet, children, I think, get sent to bed upset, angry. And uh, I don't know that we think much about them lying awake, running over and over that situation in their head. I think that same standard should apply to our relationships with children as well. No one goes to bed angry with one another. One way to help with that is to cap the evening off with connection. So that's, that's what I think of bedtime stories as. Of course, I'm into literacy. I like uh, the awareness that it brings, uh, the adventure that it brings, expanded vocabulary, and thinking in that way and unplugging before bed. There's all types of benefits, but the, the peak of that, what I'm really after is connecting emotionally before bedtime because that's such a vulnerable time, especially for kids. That's when they uh, get scared. Those fears come up, and they do for adults too. Uh, if you ever think about yourself, that's when all those things start coming up in your head. You start running over fears, worries, things like that. Just because a person is young and small, they still operate the same way. And those feelings are just as big, even if you wouldn't take the things they're worrying about as seriously, uh, because you know better because you're an adult. It's still that big to them. So what do you do? Uh, here's how I go about things. I look, I divide the day up into shifts. You know, if, if you're a nurse or anything like that, you know what second shift is or the different shifts throughout the day. When I come home, I look at it as a swing shift, uh, and so I, I take a moment to get right before going into that. You know, I come home, other people want to let down. Everyone's excited. It's, it's go time for everybody. If I walk in that door expecting a break, uh, I'm setting myself up for some frustration, or I'm setting my kids up to be, uh, you know, not have so much fun. You know, maybe get a little frustrated with them. Uh, but I take five minutes to get my head right. I'm walking into a bunch of people that are so excited to all have me do whatever project or thing they have in mind at the same time. And I have to sort this out. And now I get excited about it. And that's what I do. Bedtime is a similar situation. 
I go take a moment, not a long one, just a moment before I say, all right, let's get ready for bed. You know, when I can tell things are winding down. Now for real young kids, you may know there's like this arc where they start getting sleepy and it's time to do bedtime. And if you skip that, they get a little crazy and it's, it's hard for everyone past that. So part of it is being aware of everyone's rhythm. I take a moment and I know, I know and I've accepted it's going to be nuts. As soon as you say, okay, guys, they're all getting sleepy. It's time to go to bed. Everyone goes crazy for some reason. I mean, it's, and I don't mean a little bit like laughing, yell. It's, it can be a lot of fun, but everyone all of a sudden starts running and all this energy comes out. Uh, it's as if the last wiggles of the day all have to explode at that moment. Since I took a moment, I accepted that already. No biggie. While they're going nuts, um, you know, I'm helping some of the little ones get ready and things like that. But then I take a moment, I just set up, I got my book, I got my, you know, have a drink or something like that, like a tea to help with my throat so that I can, because I'm going to be reading for a while. I read, sometimes I'm three deep. I'm reading a real young story to, uh, to a smaller child. I'm reading like a, a middle story to the middle ages and an older story to one of the older kids. That's how that can go at times. Uh, so I, that's why I have the tea. When they calm down and crawl in bed, I start reading. And, and there's an order to this that they know. Um, I used to say, whoever's ready for bed first, I'll go read to you first. And that caused a kind of a competition. That doesn't work so much anymore. So I'm set. Everyone comes in. And... Another thing that can happen with multiple kids is everyone wants the proper seat. Have that stuff worked out. You know, try to, this is not a time for getting on everyone and yelling at them. It's going to feel like that. Because again, you're not the only one that's fatigued and tired and cranky and all. Everyone else is on edge as well. Everyone's tapped as far as a reserve for handling things emotionally in a healthy way or rising above. That's, that's gone. Everyone's tired. Uh, so as the adult, it's kind of your responsibility to, to see that coming and make preparations accordingly. So as everyone gathers up and I go through the story, I have that in mind. And my focus is having a loving connection before bed. Doesn't matter what the story is. The story can be chosen by the personality type of the child. And there's stuff that exists for everyone. I started with the Eric Carlisle books. Uh, I love Very Hungry Caterpillar is a staple. And real young kids like the repetitive nature of that. Uh, so in other words, maybe there's things you do on your own to the story. You know, you, you say certain things about the pictures or, you know, I always say like, find the, mice, find the mouse on this page in the picture and they're finding the mouse. And you make your own little games that are personal to you with that story, and they enjoy the repetitive nature of the same bedtime story or two bedtime stories every night. You know, there's the how bumpy is my dinosaur books, you know, the, the tactile ones. Uh, and what that does when they're really young, it establishes this is a thing we do in the evenings. We chill out, we calm down, we cuddle up and read and connect and go to bed feeling real good with one another. Um, so important and so good to do that. Uh, so you try to explore and find books that'll do that. We got a book, and this is actually one of the things that inspired me 
to start writing. We got a book that was so bad. Uh, it was called Five Minute Bedtime Stories. And it's very straightforward. I think this one was Frozen themed, uh, but there are, there are different themed versions of this. The Frozen themed one, though, and I could tell why the stories were so bad. It was because they, the artwork for the book was screen grabs from the movie, and they just changed the backgrounds. So the story had to, one, fit the existing artwork, those screen grabs, and it also had to have a word count that fit into five minutes. I'm sure give or take a little bit, roughly that. I think the actual quality of the story was the last thought of in that equation. Uh, and it was so bad. I was like, I have to stop reading this or I'm going to turn my kids off to reading. I mean, they're going to not want to do bedtime stories anymore. And it made me a little crazy. I couldn't handle it. Uh, so that was one of the things I went, God, I really, you know, and, and they liked when I made up stories as well. It's a couple of things that led me to writing those stories down. Uh, but I was like, that's, that's, I want some quality stuff here. So I started looking to the classics. Uh, the first chapter book I did with my kids, uh, was Charlotte's Web. And then we followed suit with some of the other E.B. White books, I think Stuart Little, The Trumpeter Swan. Uh, they're great. And those chapter links are perfect for a bedtime story, reading a chapter a night. And sometimes it works out that way. I think a lot of middle grade and, and uh, books that are written for younger kids, I don't know if the authors plan this, uh, but, but about a 10-minute chapter that lines up perfectly every night, it's great. Uh, and that may be thought of, but it certainly works out. If it's going to be a 20, 30-minute chapter, that'll be broken up. And that does come along when we got into uh, the Laura Ingalls Wilder books, Little House on the Prairie series, which is excellent. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of the series or watched it or if read the books, but they're really good. And it's based on her life. Uh, there is a lot of good information there. And there's books that are kind of, I don't know if they're very well thought about, it, but Farmer Boy is incredible. It's an incredible book. It explains money better than a lot of adult books. And very simply, there's a there's one story in there. Almanzo is is the boy in that story. Um, I'm gonna save this for another time. That's a whole nother deal. But I love Farmer Boy. I love all the, we did this series, the entire Little House on the Prairie series. When I was done, my daughter's like Let's go again. And I had to, like, are you serious? Yep. Let's start right back. Little house in the big woods. And so we did. I don't recall if we did it a third time after that. I believe we did. I don't know if it was right after, but but we did hit it a third time. Um, if you have kids that aren't so much into reading, there are some excellent picture books uh, with, with a lot of great, it's more focused on the artwork and the reading is real minimal, but it still sets that same connection and routine. Uh, the Ben Hatke books with uh, Zeta the Space Girl, Mighty Jack, they're great. They're, they're really fun, and the artwork's great. Um, we're doing The Mouse Guard right now. Who does that? David Peterson. That truly is incredible artwork. And it's, it's like a, an adult epic fantasy, ser fantasy series put into a, a graphic novel almost. Um, 
very, but it's not epic. It's, you know, brief, but uh, God, the depth of it and the depth of the characters and the, the world building in that is very intense. It's at a very high level for such a, uh, you know, a, a short book. Uh, but they are they're almost like coffee table books. These are ones worth buying and, and keeping the dust cover on and keeping on a shelf to, to go through the artwork. I mean, it really can inspire you to draw. Uh, if you like very, very short chapters, if you have a child with a short attention span, uh, Bride of the Grand Canyon is a great read. Another book from an animal's perspective. Um, I know a lot really like horses and... Uh, you know, Margaret Henry does a whole a whole lot of books from, from animal perspectives and about horses. That particular one's about a burrow, uh, and it's a true story. I don't know how she knew what Bridie was thinking and feeling as well as she did, but um, there, there really was a Bridie. There really is a Bright Angel Trail on the Grand Canyon that we saw. Uh, and I was able to take a picture of my daughter standing in front of that trail because that was the first book she read on her own. And... When she got near the end, she cried, not because the story was sad, but because she couldn't read it again for the first time. She loved it that much. These chapters are three pages. Really brief bedtime stories, but again, it sets that tradition of that connection every evening. And, and even if there's rough patches throughout the day and things get hard, which they will, if that tradition is set, and remember, this is, this is an important thing to remember— the habit is more powerful than the rule, okay? So if you develop a habit of brushing your teeth, people feel weird not brushing. Their teeth. I got to brush my teeth. This is just what I do. It's a habit. And in absence of that habit, it feels a little awkward. So if that connection, that bedtime story is a set thing, like we bring bedtime stories on camping trips and on vacation. It is such a, such a thing that happens once that's established, even if things get bumpy throughout the day, we end it on a good note. You know, we end it uh, with love and connection, and, and, and that reset is so important when you add those nights up over years for that connection. I, I think that sets the course for, for a lifetime, really, you know. Um, and then they turn into teenagers, and, and that connection still has to happen. But uh, I don't know if we want to get into all that. I have something that we've been doing for that that's a lot, a lot of fun. There's a lot you can do with teenagers. But for, for young kids and, and even getting up there, you know, 9, 10, 11, I think the bedtime stories is, is crucial, you know, for that connection. So... That's what I'm thinking about. Again, um, my suggestions to get started would depend heavily on the child's age and their personality. Uh, again, if you don't know what to do and you have a real young child, get some of our Eric Carlisle books. Hungry Caterpillar, uh, Seahorse, Does a Kangaroo Have a Mother too? Things like that. And, and just have fun. And all you're doing is establishing that connection, that time. Uh, and look, ask around, ask a librarian. They really know. They're like, I have a kid that's this age. Do you have anything great? And their eyes will light up. They'll be so excited to share with you uh, so many great series. Uh, and, and not just that are popular, but really have depth. There's some stuff that uh, gets looked over. 
I think, quite a bit. So that's my thoughts on that. Uh, have fun with it. If you do bedtime stories once in a while, I would really recommend bumping that up to every night. If you only do bedtime stories as a reward, if they do A, B, and C, uh, that I would suggest rethinking that. You know, that that's almost like, uh, don't you want to just that that moment to be happening either way? You know, I don't know if you want to withhold that as as a punishment, because what if they say, well, I don't care then, whatever, and move on. That that would be the risk. Is I'm not going to let you use this against me. I'm going to get into other stuff. Uh, you don't want to miss that. If if it happens at all, like I was saying last week, if you spot curiosity, nurture that curiosity. Don't take it for granted. It's going to stick around for a whole week, or much less beyond that. If you have a child that enjoys you reading to them, jump all over that. Uh, what I like to do. With young ones, especially at Christmas time, we end up doing this. We get these tiny, these big books. They're very thin from the library. Lots of pictures, not a lot of reading, and put them random places around the house. Younger kids don't think in abstractions. They're not going to think that there's a bookshelf and a book on it that all you can see is the very thin words on the side and think, well, no one seems to be doing anything right now. Maybe this is a good time for them to read. They're just going to see a book and go, read me right now. They're going to pick it up, bring it to you, read me. And as, this is going to happen as soon as you finish doing some work or some big chore. And you go, okay, I'm going to sit just for five minutes before I have to go into the next thing. As soon as your butt hits the couch, they're going to crawl on your lap and go, read me, read me. And you got to embrace that with everything you are. It's, I, I know, and I, I feel the, oh, are you serious? This is a joke right now, really. Yes, jump into that and read to them because uh, you have no idea how long that will last. And the trajectory of nurturing that moment is like compound interest stacked on compound interest. Uh, and even though everything in you may say, I just want to break, I can't do that, jump on it. When they say, please read this to me, jump on it and read it to them as if you are being paid top dollar to record an audiobook which means enthusiastically with your whole heart and look for that connection. And I'm saying that out of uh, experiencing it both ways, you know, trying, trying to just mimic my way through it without my heart into it. And even though I'm tired, even though I don't feel like doing it that moment, giving it my all and feeling the results. And I highly recommend transcending whatever you have going on and given that little five-minute story your whole heart. Until next time, have fun reading some bedtime stories.